0: So, Rebecca, I have an email from a patron who wants to re- know, once and for all, if therapists actually care about their clients. Mm. So, mm-hmm. I thought we would read that email, and then you and I could have a conversation about is, is it genuine? Is it fake? What mm-hmm. do you Do you want to talk about that?
1: I'm up for it.
0: This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirkonda. I'm a therapist and a professor.
1: Hi, I'm Rebecca Bloom. I'm a licensed mental health counselor in Seattle, Washington.
0: You have a private practice in Columbia City? I
1: have a thriving private practice in the ultimately hip neighborhood of uh, Hillman City, Washington.
0: Which is just south of Columbia City, correct? (laughs) (laughs) Because no one knows where Hillman City is.
1: I know. I always say, have you ever gone to Seward Park? Have you gotten there on Rainier? And then they're like, yeah. And I'm like, you know where you turn off Rainier? Yeah. Well, that's Hillman City. So. I kinda,
0: I, I, is it also called Genesee? I call that Genesee. No. Oh. I
1: don't even know where Genesee is.
0: Oh, Gen- Genesee Avenue is that, or street, is that street that oh. comes off Rainier and goes toward...
1: That's a different neighborhood, actually.
0: So is that north of Hillman City?
1: Yeah, you turn there? Fascinating. I never knew this about you.
0: Well, no, I mean, Uh. I'm just saying that I turn there if I'm going, like, to where the races are. Oh, yes. But the Seward Park is further. So you're actually, well, I guess, why don't you just say your practice is in Seward, then? Because that's probably what
1: Because technically, Seward is a little fancier.
0: Yeah, but, you know, (laughs) I mean, when I lived in Lake City... Uh, I technically lived in Olympic Hills, but no one knows where Olympic Hills is. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But I never said I lived in Olympic Hills. I said I lived in Lake City, but I didn't actually live in Lake City. You know what I'm saying?
1: I I hear you. It's sort of like like
0: people who live in in Crown Hill will say they live in Ballard. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I enjoy saying Hillman City just because it's got a new piece of Hillman City pride going on, and we've got fun stuff over here. And, you know, I'm always up for a little bit of a discussion with people. Right, right
0: now, 99.9% of our listeners are bored out of their mind. But They, can't, they just wish we'd shut up. But those two <laughs> listeners who live in Hillman City, Columbia City, Seward, they're feeling
1: like Genesee, tried.
0: they're all just like, oh, my God, they're talking about my neighborhood in Seattle. All right. This is an uh, email from patron Amy. She writes, do therapists actually care or are they pretending? I can't figure you guys out. My therapist triggered my PTSD on accident. It scared the crap out of me. And now I have an urge to terminate therapy. But it's my pattern to cut and run in situations like this. Mm. And I'm trying to challenge myself to stick with him and work on it. But I'm worried that he's only in it for the money. Rebecca, what do you think?
1: Well, we're not making enough money to be only in it for the money. (laughs) I gotta tell you. Um, Yeah. we're not amazon software engineers um i mean i actually care about people getting better and i know the incredible value of people's even in one individual's mental health i've seen it impact a whole family system a community i've seen that person go off to do great things so sometimes, I'll be honest, I don't care about the individual person, their individual story, their individual problem on that day for whatever reason. I don't have it in me. But in general, I care about people and I care about the state of our world. How's that?
0: Does that manifest in the sort of caring that patron Amy is writing about? You know, she's, she's asking, do, do therapists actually care about, do you think patron amy's therapist actually cares genuinely about patron amy
1: you know i would hope so but i think the idea of like care can be really different for different people yeah you know for some clients my clients feel incredibly cared for because i have an uncanny ability to recall events and put what they're saying in the context of something that came up, you know, twenty five sessions ago. That's just how my brain works. Not every therapist works like that. Some therapists love every single client, and you know, they feel that warm paternal, maternal like energy off of that person, and that's what that client feels as love. Right. Um, I mean, I think it's so different for each person of like what is love this is a song um, it's true so you know not and that's why n- not every therapist is a fit with every client um, if you need that constant warm mommy energy, I'm not the right therapist for you. If you need a therapist to contract your incredibly complicated family history and bring something up from two years ago and tell you that it's connected to what you're talking about today, I'm the perfect therapist for you.
0: Yeah, so, I'm glad you're responding this way because that was my sense of you. I think it takes, I think, some amount of bravery to it to admit what you're saying. I don't think what you're saying is bad, but what I'm saying is, is I think some people, maybe not as confident in their style of therapy, would really want to emphasize that they super, super care about all their clients um, as if they were family members or something. Do you know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I think that was my sense of your style of therapy was that it's how you're describing it. And and I think I mean, did you was there a time in your career when you cared more or less
1: well, I would actually say my training allowed us not to to love every client. In fact, we were told we would not love every client and we might be repulsed by every client. And I think that the way it really depends on where you were trained. I mean, I think I've seen way more on the West Coast that people are trained, you know, that positive regard for every client is you know what we do and we are an advocate for every client um and so I, I was actually just in a training this weekend and i could feel the tension i wanted to talk about what was annoying and there was like zippo room in the room <laughs> for my way of thinking which isn't atypical for me i mean i experienced that a lot so um yeah it is hard To know that you don't have to love your clients all the time to work with them, but I think it's important from the work because that love ebb and flows. And anyone who's out there who's a parent knows exactly what I'm talking about. You don't love your child every moment of every day, but I'm there for my child every moment of every day.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, my my answer to patron Amy is in general in a, in a broad sense of caring yeah absolutely most therapists if not all truly genuinely care about their clients i would say that if they didn't care they would burn out of the profession very quickly
1: mm-hmm. and of, that's go ahead. and on the flip side that's why a lot of people do burn out so quickly is that they try and care and love every client
0: right so there's a there's totally a balance of not caring too much and but but having some enthusiasm and care and compassion for clients and and genuine uh, caring about improvement as you were putting it earlier because one as you were saying earlier if you didn't care about your clients there are so many other ways to make money given a master's degree and given enough dedication to a career path and so so Part of the reason why people become therapists is because they deeply care about other human beings and actually want um, humans to uh, have improvements in their life or be stripped of oppression or whatever it is. So, so there's that, and also if you don't care, the amount of stress that the job puts you through. If you don't care about your clients, you're going to have a hard time justifying all of that stress particularly in the beginning of your career so i would say in general yeah most most if not all therapists really care plus therapists tend to be on the caring compassionate side of the spectrum in general that's why they became that's that's why people said you should be a therapist or something like that um so you know um now but as i think you're talking about Rebecca, there's a spectrum. Some people care more than others and some therapists care in different ways. And some people have different training and different modalities about what caring actually means. And uh, so um, for myself, I absolutely do care about my clients. For instance, I worry about them, not a lot, but I, you know, I will. I wish the best for them. I empathize with them. I work hard to help them. When when they come in to my office, I'm genuinely interested in hearing what's, you know, going on in their life. I love my job and I love talking to my clients and I'm never looking at the clock or very rarely, let's just say, at least not in my current client load. I don't there's no one where I'm like, "God, I can't wait for this session to be over." So, you know, those are all, I would say, evidences that I actually care. But at the, at the, on the other hand, these are clients. They're not my family members. For instance, if they suddenly terminated with me, which many clients do, not because they hate me, but that's just generally how people terminate. They, they tend to just sort of drift away. And I, I generally don't get upset or on the off chance that a client hates me, just hates my guts, which (laughs) happens pretty rarely, but it'll happen. I, I don't get very upset about it. There's a professional distance between me and my clients, and it's necessary for me to keep my sanity. I mean, imagine if I considered all my clients in the same way regarding caring that I do my family members. The the grief of losing all those people would just be tremendous, and the pain of witnessing difficulty, and the pain of of their occasional criticism of me would would be tremendous. I, I did a back of the napkin calculation before we started recording, and over my career, I, I think I've had five thousand ish individual clients because I'm a couple and family therapist. So mm-hmm. every client, every other client is a, is a multiple group of people. Great. And so, you know, but at, at the very least, uh, like for yourself, cause you're more individual, right? You, you see more individual clients, right?
1: Yeah. But I did group work for right. years right. also. So, okay.
0: so thousands of people, let's just put it that way. And, if i if i deeply deeply cared about them the way that i did about family members then i would i would have probably you know killed myself long ago from just all the grief of not being able to talk to them anymore so so there's a professional distance but caring i can in session while they're sitting in front of me i, I it doesn't take much for me to access my compassion and my positive regard and all that kind of warm West Coast love that I think you were referring to earlier. I, I, can access, I can access that pretty easily. And and but as soon as the session is over, it doesn't linger. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can sit with someone and be present and, and listen and care and their life could be in shambles. Their life could be coming apart at the seams. And I'm concerned about them. I'm I'm worried about them. But as, but at this point in my career, and maybe probably ten years into my career, it became this way. As soon as the session is over, then I, you know I don't. It doesn't linger beyond that. I, I don't I don't ruminate or wonder what's happening or want to reach out to them. It's genuine yeah, I mean, in the moment. Is, and, but then right. it but then it 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 it's. It, I don't want to say I put it aside when they walk out the door. It's just like it's in the moment here and now, genuine stuff. And then when they leave my office, they leave my office. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to let it go. And that is one of the bizarre parts of our work. Like I have a client who is has major suicide ideations and has attempted Suicide in the past, and it's a legal case, and I'm consulting with other people, and, uh, you know, I've had to have a lot of really intense conversations with this person. They've decided to voluntarily go into partial hospitalization. If they were my family member, I would be calling them every day. Right. But they're my client, and so I just have to trust that they're going to walk out the door and be okay. Right. Um, And that is that's one of the crazy pieces of our work. Yeah. And so I think if you haven't ever been in our work, it's hard to know what it's like to sit to have those kind of boundaries or this is what we call, you know, holding the frame. Um,
0: Yeah. And that's a common thing for novice therapists to seek help with which is the I, not common, I would say universal. The feeling of, oh my God, these people are coming to me for help. And especially at internship, because these people tend to get the most difficult cases around, ironically or paradoxically. And these, these therapists are overwhelmed. They think therapy takes a very short amount of time. They feel this tremendous responsibility, and and they they are um, overwhelmed with the their caring for the client. And a big part of my supervision with them is f- to help them to work their ass off when they're in session. Mm-hmm. And if or t- or not even yeah, work reasonably, <laughs> work their ass reasonably off <laughs> in, in session, but. And if there's a task to perform outside of the session, like contacting a collateral contact or writing a note, then by all means, you know, put energy into that. But if there's not anything like that, which there often isn't, then as soon as the session is over, then then that's it. You you have to find a way of caring and worrying when you're there. But as soon as the session is over, unless the caring and worrying is for a purpose of some sort, then you just have to figure out a way of of having that be uh, put put aside so you're not bogged down and traumatized by all that. And as I say this, I I think in a way, and let, tell me what you think about this, it's almost like a different form of love for, okay. f- for me. It's almost because there's not a lot of loves that are like this. I guess it's the sort of love you would have for... Someone that you know you're only going to talk to for a little bit of time, like you're on the airplane and you're on a six hour flight and there's this grandma next to you and you strike up a conversation and you're just like, I really like this person. But as soon as the flight is over, you get your bags from the overhead bin and you walk away, and you know you're not gonna, in all likelihood, you're not gonna talk to that person again. But in that moment, you absolutely cared and were enamored by them, and and respected them, and were interested in them, and you'll never forget that conversation. But you're not clamoring for ongoing attachment with that person. It, mm-hmm. I feel like it, it's a we we tend to categorize love and attachment and. And caring and compassion within relationships that are at least hoped to to last forever in some ways, and uh, so this is like a different category of of compassion and love, and and I use the word love quite deliberately because, and again this is my you know West Coast lovey-dovey tree hugger kind of way of thinking, but that is I, I will in class use the word love. And if you were a student, you'd be I'd be driving you crazy, but 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 I will say cuz there's not another word for it in my mind that truly encapsulates the way that I feel toward my clients in the moment. The word love to me evokes what I think is what's actually happening. And so, but that's my style, right? And I I actually Get a lot of fulfillment by forms of therapy in which I, in my mind, linguistically associate what I'm doing with love. Um, not in the romantic sense, obviously, but in the, I don't know, uh, just in the love your neighbor kind of kind of way. Does that make sense? Am I am I am I, right, am I too hippie, am I too hippie, hippie dippy?
1: Well, I- I've been on the West Coast my whole life. I totally understand what you're saying.
0: <laughs> You've been—I've
1: um... <laughs> been loved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what should Patron Amy do? Let's close with that. Uh, She's—she was triggered. Uh, her therapist, male therapist, triggered her PTSD on accident. Really scared her, and she had an urge to terminate. She you should has probably tell
1: her therapist that.
0: Yeah. Uh, what? What? What should she say?
1: She should. Talk about her patterns and how they're about to repeat. Yeah. Right. Um,
0: For the purpose of alerting. Yeah. For the purpose of alerting the therapist. One, it's growth to just say that to somebody, by the way, you know, and to have. But the key is, is in that conversation and in that triggering and in all that, all that back and forth, the therapist will remain stable and attuned to you if the therapist is any good, which it sounds like he might be. And through those, through all those experiences of you being triggered and then you wanting to cut and run, but him being caring and you wondering if he cares and you asking if he cares and he says, absolutely, I care. And he's not, he doesn't ridicule you for the question or he doesn't reject you for ask, asking the question and you have a discussion about it. And through all that experience, it's a corrective experience because... You are experiencing someone who cares, who doesn't run away and doesn't criticize, which is likely why you're in therapy in the first place. Does that make sense?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Patreon you. let us know what you think about what we're saying. Perhaps some time has passed since you actually wrote this email. And so maybe, maybe some things have happened you could let us in on. That does it for that episode. Thanks for joining us. Please take care of yourself. Rebecca, why should people take care of themselves?
1: You know, speaking your truth is one of the most dynamic acts you can do. And so I uh, I was reminded, RuPaul was nominated as Top 100 Most Influential People by Time Magazine. And they gave a lovely speech about it. And their number one concern in their lives is self-love. So by taking care of yourself, you're practicing self-love.
0: I want to, before closing, I want to, I just occurred to me, do you remember in a, in an episode we were talking about golden apples? No. The golden <laughs> apple thing? The, the Remind apple, me. The apple award? The, the golden,
1: oh, people who win a lot of awards, yeah.
0: They get a golden apple?
1: Yeah, they get a glass apple. Oh, a that's glass why,
0: apple. They get a glass apple. That's
1: why apple. I have no memory of what you were
0: saying. Okay, glass apple. So... Do you, Have you seen these glass apples?
1: I am married to someone who receives a lot of glass apples.
0: What do they look... So, so my mom listens to this podcast, by the way. Mm-hmm. And she heard me say... I mean, I don't remember talking about this specifically, but I'm pretty sure I was being silly when I said...
1: You were being how, flippant. How come I don't
0: have an apple? You know what I mean? Well, my mom being the loving mom that she is she was like well god kirk has to have an apple i gotta get him an apple he seems like he really (laughs) wants an apple and so uh i don't know if it was on her mind or she actually sought it out but she found a glass apple Mm -hmm. that was given to my grandmother that's cool like in the 40s or 50s or 60s or something and it's it's golden it ha it it's a it's a glass small apple
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it has liquid on the inside and there are, there are golden uh, flakes flakes of gold that are like a like a snow globe on the inside. Oh. And like Goldschläger have you ever had Goldschläger? Yes. It, it, I personally
1: has, not drinking it but I know what you mean.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> it ha- I think it tastes I think Goldschläger tastes like licorice. I think it's one of those liquor black licorice tasting um sort of liqueurs but anyway so she gave it to me so now i have a glass apple but i wanted to ask you is is it the same thing uh
1: the glass apples i'm talking about are much lower quality the type of thing that you would receive at an awards dinner that probably cost Minimal amounts to produce, but looks fancy from the stage.
0: Is it? Does or, it look crystal? I'm trying to imagine what it yes, looks like. Yes,
1: okay. yeah, it looks like a crystal apple.
0: Is it engraved or is it just
1: potentially? A, you okay. know, it could but some say of like them might not be. Right, like thanks for your hard work. You know, you're the best. Whatever in Washington State.
0: Okay. We and
1: acknowledge this, that you've done X, Y, Z.
0: And this is a Washington award uh culture or something
1: i imagine in other states maybe you get a glass buckeye i don't know
0: or a glass peach (laughs) or a glass corn husker whatever the hell that is
1: maybe Uh, yeah
0: yeah Mm -hmm. a
1: glass alligator
0: yeah that was what oh my god i was going to say glass alligator so now i have a golden apple and so, so uh, Rebecca, Neener, 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 I'm pretty sure you don't have
1: one. I don't have a glass apple. I So, so now,
0: my, now, now if your mom listens to this.
1: Which she doesn't.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, if she did, if she cared really about you, she would she would uh, listen to this and she would get you a glass apple.
1: Which I think speaks to my attachment issues. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. Y'all deserve apples, especially you, Rebecca. You deserve. It. Now I got to get you an apple. Pretty much. Okay. That's find
1: me this. a glass apple. Yeah. Okay. And you're you're your own glass apple. I mean, at the end of the day,
0: <laughs> you're your own glass apple.
1: You gotta reach inside and find that glass apple. And and say.
0: I you, am my own glass apple.
1: I am my own best glass apple.
0: I award myself with myself.
1: Right. I yeah. feel myself. I feel the goodness within myself.
0: This is starting to get sexual, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> goodness can come in lots of forms.
0: That's right.
1: And I, I am worthy of my own... Admiration. If I wait my whole life for someone else to give me that glass apple, it might never come. Yeah. Well,
0: fortunately for myself, I don't have to do that pep talk because I (laughs) actually have a glass apple. All right. Well, that does it. See ya. (laughs)